It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or a Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Of course, your daily assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online at leesheatac.com. He makes the magic happen for the athletic. He's our good friend, Sam Amick. Sam, how are you there in, in California where things have, have slowed down a bit? Hello, gentlemen. Uh, we're hanging in just fine. You know, just obviously uh, staying close to home. Although, uh, now knowing I was going to talk to you, gentlemen, for a few minutes, I, I got the shoes on. I'm going for a walk. We're, we're trying to get up to 10,000 steps every day, and, and you're going to help me there. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're trying. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, it's uh, obviously a scary time, but we're getting through it. Sam, what are you telling your – I know you have boys. Uh, what are you telling your kids uh, through this period of time? I mean, they're pretty on top of it um, from both a news standpoint and, you know, they're they're doing just fine in terms of being disciplined. I mean, it's it's now getting into a new phase. So we got an eighth grader, and, you know, I mean, he's expressed – disappointment over different individual things that he's missing out on. Um, you know, he's going to find himself a freshman in high school without having ever really felt like he finished middle school. Now, obviously it's even worse if you're a senior in high school, little milestones like that. Um, but, you know, we're trying to get them like a lot of parents just in a routine. And I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's pretty tough. Like, you know, just, and it's one of those things that the power of school when it's normal times and like the pressure of like, yeah, you got to wake up and make sure you get there before the bell rings and make sure you're, you know, doing what you're supposed to do. That's different than, you know, mom and dad nagging you because it's eight thirty and you still haven't gotten out of bed yet. I mean, that's kind of what we're dealing with here. Sam, want to talk to you a little bit about the podcast you did with Joe Ingles. In fact, we brought it up on the show uh, a couple of days ago, right after you did it, and a number of things came up. But what was kind of your biggest takeaway from Joe? I mean, as always, Joe was was great. You know, I definitely contend he's one of the most relatable players in the league. Um, I have listened to his podcast with his wife, Renee, and with Aaron Fox, you know, uh, previously a fellow NBA scribe now with the Jazz, and so when I listened to their podcast, it was actually really helpful because it it kind of put me in a, a place where I could basically follow up on everything they'd talked about in our conversation. And, and my takeaways were that for one, you've got this family that's obviously from Australia, and, and in times of stress like this, any person is going to have this kind of this pull to to want to go home to where it's quote unquote safe and. You know, the discussion that we had about how the combination of the corona scare and, and everything that went on with the Jazz and then the earthquake after that, and then you had, you know, Joe and Renee looking at their twins and saying, man, it might be time to get on a plane and get to Australia. Um, and, and that kind of process for them, um, you know, I thought his kind of blow-by-blow blow of that night in Oklahoma City was, was pretty eye-opening when you talk about even the lead-up, the stuff about Quinn Snyder, you know, holding 
three different meetings before the NBA had really mandated anything, trying to alert the Jazz players to the dangers of COVID-19. Um, you know, and then that day in Oklahoma, or I'm sorry, in Utah, when they had the uh, Toronto game, where they had a, a shoot around the University of Utah officials, um, health officials come by to educate them. You know, the, just kind of the blow by blow, and the next thing you know, you're you're in the middle of it in that Thunder game. Um, it's just insane what that whole group's been through, and, and you know, in combination of what's happened in the state with earthquakes and whatnot. Did you see Sam the uh, video online from Carl Anthony Towns? Absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, no, it is it, it, for sure, and that's the thing that you know is is pretty profound about this experience. I think for all of us is that I can't in my lifetime I can't remember something that you hear that it's cliche, but you hear that thing about you know all oh, of this tragedy brought people together and. But what's different about this is that it's not necessarily about bringing people together, because to be honest, I don't think that's totally true. You have people yelling at each other about social distancing and judging each other, and like everybody's trying to, to get through it. But what is unique is that it doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how famous you are. And that kind of great equalizer and us seeing these celebrities go through regular human experiences in the kind of way that we don't normally share with them, I think is, is pretty wild. Uh, and your heart goes out to Carl and his family, you know, just like your heart goes out to, you know, Jason Collins, who, you know, former NBA player who is, is now battling it. Um, you know, and, and it just, it doesn't show any, you know, there's no discrimination whatsoever when it comes to the virus and where it's going to spread. And, and sadly, I think it's, it's definitely going to get worse before it gets better. Today, Sam, is John Stockton's birthday. Uh, what, hey, uh, now. Uh, when I say John Stockton, what comes to your mind? What, uh, not that, not, you know, John probably wouldn't want me to ask this question, but what, what number are we talking? Oh, man, you would uh, just 58, <laughs> 58, says Austin. 58. All right, that's pretty good. Um, I mean, I just, just toughness and just, you know, just incredibly gritty competitor uh, it's funny guys I have I don't think I ever told you this story in my office I have a roll of, uh, of athletic tape that I'm forgetting the year but like when the Jazz played the Kings in the playoffs um, you guys remember what year that was maybe well is his oh, final man, I, year because his career ended in around, Sacramento was, that was, was around 2000 oh yeah yeah yes there we go so I went uh, I, I was still, I think I was finishing college, and I got credentialed as a member of the college newspaper. Now, I can share this story now and judge the heck out of myself. You're not typically supposed to steal things from a locker room when you cover a game. <laughs> but I was kind of a kid, and I was a little starstruck, and this was not, you know, as offensive go, this wasn't that bad. But I, I might have grabbed a thing of athletic tape that was uh, being used by the great Carl Malone just because it was laying on the floor, and I was like, oh, that's a weird little keepsake. And, you know, and, and it was because, I, as a guy who grew up watching the game, I was in awe to get a, a little glimpse. You know, I didn't get to cover Carl and John when I finally got into uh, the industry. But, uh, it, you know, it's still in my office where I actually took a Sharpie and I wrote, I forget the score, but it says, you know, Utah, actually, yeah, whatever the score is, and, 
And that was from their heyday. That was from the end of it. And that was the series where uh, where Chris Weber laid John out. And yes. it had a screen that Jazz fans definitely thought was dirty. Um, but it also, I think, spoke to John, like, you know, the, the, the visual of laying John out in that sort of a competitive environment. Like, Chris did that because that was the head of the snake. And you knew that that was the only way you could – you know, win the psychological battle. And, you know, that's what John did to you. Um, you know, incredible pick-and-roll player and a guy that uh, that just you feel like he was put on this earth to play with the mailman. So those two guys obviously were incredibly special. Sam, what have you been up to since there's no games to cover? Have you been doing what a lot of folks are doing and looking back at past games? Uh, what, what What is it that's uh, keeping you occupied? Yeah, Gordon, no, I'll use you as my fellow, uh, you know, scribe therapist here. I don't think I've ever written so many things that never got published as I have in the last couple of weeks because, you know, I've done some looking back and then, like, I, I did a, a thing that's, you know, fairly stock. You know, it's not, not the most outside-the-box idea, but I was going to write, you know, my five personal most favorite games I've ever covered. And kind of try to make it personal and share stories from behind the scenes that maybe I didn't share previously. And so most of that is already written and hopefully it gets published, but we kind of, we just kind of decided like, all right, we have some other stuff from other people getting, you know, into the kind of getting published right now. And I, so I've been writing and yes, a lot of it is looking backwards and reminiscing. Um, you know, some of it is we're going to do, a, and this is, again, something that's been done before, but we're doing a Jersey project where we'll take you through, you know, double zero up to uh, up to 100, you know, the best players to ever wear every single jersey. And that's been taking up a lot of my time this week, a little tougher than I thought it would be. Just you got some numbers where, you know, 400 different players might have worn the same jersey number. and And then you've got other jersey numbers where it's either – either nobody or like one guy or two guys. So that's another project. Um, but it's all, you know, again, I always qualify it. We're not digging ditches, but it's for what we do. It's, it is challenging to do it when your family's home all the time, because I love being around them, but it's also, you know, we, we're trying to get these kids to, to have, you know, some normalcy and some structure right now. Um, so I'm not admittedly diving in on the work front like I would normally. Sam, if we do not get any more regular season games, who's your MVP? That would be Mr. Anadokounmpo uh, of the Bucks, not not the guy in L.A. for the Lakers. Uh, <laughs> or uh, I forget where his other brother plays. It would be Giannis. Uh, I think LeBron, you know, he, he was definitely cutting the gap, and I was starting to to basically say, all right, I'm going to watch this thing down the stretch. And my – parameters had been and who knows I mean I don't know what the next few months look like but my parameters had been that if the Lakers you know the Bucks dropped a few games partly because Giannis got hurt and if the Lakers could catch them on the record front that does matter to me then it makes it easier to say okay even if Giannis is ahead of LeBron by a hair if the Lakers have the better record and then then you get into the discussion about how the Bucks have a, a better record without Giannis than the Lakers do without LeBron, we would have a race. So I think we might have had a little bit of a race, 
if this hadn't happened. But for the most part, people are still sleeping on how dominant Giannis' season has been. It's really not an overstatement to say, and I've said this multiple times, that if you talk like when he's on the floor this season, he was doing Will Chamberlain at his peak things from a production standpoint. And that is a mathematical truth that I don't think people necessarily grip. Sam, other than the way coronavirus has taken over, uh, what was your biggest surprise uh, this past season? Biggest surprise? I mean, the Memphis Grizzlies come to mind. You know, you got this squad where really we, we didn't know what to think of their front office. They've had you know, turnover on that level. You had a guy named Zach Kleiman coming out of nowhere who's kind of a Ivy League attorney type that, you know, didn't necessarily have a basketball background. And who is he? And does he know what he's doing? Um, you know, you had a new coach in Taylor Jenkins. Not sure what to think of him. And then John Moran comes in with the rest of that core with, you know, Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson Jr., um, they were exciting and obviously sitting in the eighth spot when we left this thing off. Um, you know, trying to think in, in the East. I mean, Philly's struggles on the on the negative side, I don't know if they surprised me, but they surprised me to this degree. It's just been, even though the record's not awful, it just, I mean, it feels like they're below 500 based on everything they've been through. And really, in your guys' backyard, I mean, the Jazz is up-and-down season. Mike Conley is not fitting in like they had hoped. Um, you know, that's it's always that tough equation of, you know, expectation versus outcome and results, and the Jazz paid a price for that because we all went into the year talking about them as kind of fringe title contenders. And, and, and again, all in all, they're still in a good spot, but it's been a, a tough way to, a tough road to get there. Sam, do you think since you're in their in their backyard there near Sacramento, will the Kings? How long will it take them to get this thing put back together so that they can be a threat? It just depends on. I mean, they still have a chance. I don't know what the percentage will be, what the odds might be in Vegas, but like the the major question mark here is is Marvin Bagley the third. That you know he's last year when he was on the floor. He was actually pretty good. You know, for a rookie, you know, it's, it's you know, you're going to put a cap on it. But he was pretty good. But he, he dealt with injuries last year. And then he dealt with injuries again this year. And the Aaron Fox, I think we have enough sample size with the Aaron to say, you know, he's a pretty darn good player. Pretty, you know, it's a guy that they built around. So if Marvin can stay healthy, you've got to wait and see how he fits in. Now, it could be a complete train wreck because I'll be honest, you know, they were winning games without him for the past five, six weeks. And, he's, you know, I wonder where his head is at as an athlete because, you know, it's now basically two seasons where you've disappointed the fans. And uh, so that's their only hope. If Marvin winds up being a bust or just not what they hoped, then it's going to be a while because I don't think De'Aaron by himself – even with some decent role players, is nearly enough. You need that. You know, they wanted De'Aaron and Marvin to be their version of Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. And, uh, you know, that's obviously not the case right now. The reason I ask that question is because you mentioned 
the playoff uh, matchups between the Kings and the Jazz. Those were fun times, man. Covering, I remember going to Sacramento and covering those series, and those were good, rugged, tough series. It was a lot of fun. No, they were great, and I mean, I you know I wasn't from Sacramento because I grew up down in the Bay, but like I I did kind of find myself uh, gravitating towards those Kings teams. I was going to college at. at uh, <laughs> Sorry, guys. The lady didn't start screaming. Um, they uh, they were fun teams, and so I was. I went to college at Sacramento State, and then all of your classmates, like the whole city, was on fire. Like everybody, didn't matter where you were from, you were going to watch C. Webb and Jason Williams and Lottie Divac and those guys, and eventually Brad Miller, and then Mike Bibby took over for Jason Williams. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a great basketball town. Um, they just got to get there, and you know. Again, it's, I don't know what it's going to be. They still have, they, you know, a pretty fair amount of dysfunction that I think holds them back. But uh, when they get it right, you know, I think they they could have that same dynamic again. Sam, enjoy the fresh air and the rest of your walk. And as always, we appreciate you jumping on with us. How many steps Thanks, did you guys. get in, Sam? How many steps? Well, we were getting we we're closing in on on uh, ten thousand, Gordon. I got to check. Oh, we made it, 10,322. All right. All right. And, and I'm going to go ahead and say we made it. We're right there with you. So yeah. we, we did it. We did. <laughs> you guys are my, my daily walk assist. I appreciate uh, it. Hey, thanks, buddy. We appreciate you. See you guys. That's Sam Amick, our good friend from The Athletic, and always, always, always a highlight of the week. We love it when he has a chance to jump on with us. Man, I'll tell you, as he brought up that playoff series and – and others, uh, my mind started uh, going back to that time, and really, I had I had good times going to Sacramento, Jake. It was fun. Those games were fun. They were competitive. You remember, uh, you know, Chris Weber and and uh, Peja hitting those shots from three points. Yep. I mean, the Jazz, you know, they had their hands full. Yeah, uh, those were some really really great teams. And and Sam mentioned it right there, but it is a really great basketball town. It is. My my wife, uh, her roommate in law school is from Sacramento. She was just nuts about the Kings. And this was, you know, half a decade or later than uh, they had, the last time they had made the playoffs. I mean. They they love basketball there. That's why it would have been a shame if they would have lost the Kings. But now they just need a product to to kind of rally that around. Yeah, make smart decisions, and uh, you know, they, like Sam was talking about, they have some talent there. Uh, they have some guys that can really ball. They just got to put it all together so that it, I, the more the more I have watched uh, NBA basketball. The more I tip my cap to Jerry Sloan, who used to, and he's pretty smart, but I mean, he used to talk about how hard it is to win. And we just sort of took that for granted all those years when when the Jazz were so successful. But uh, it, it is tough for teams to emerge and to make progress. And we've seen it with the Jazz uh, since Quinn Snyder got here. You know, that sort of that trajectory, that climb, trying to get up past where you were before. Tough. It is tough. More Big Show coming up straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.